episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We are your hosts, Amanda and Corinne. And uh, this week, uh, unfortunately, we are super silly. No apologies. None whatsoever. We are still recording uh, separately. Can't wait for the day that we can be back in the same space, driving everyone around us insane. Yeah, the positivity rate has dropped in half since the last time we recorded. Um, you know, that still puts it at 15% here in Kentucky, but you know, it it's dropping. It is what it is. It is what it is. All right. So Amanda, uh, will you tell me about what coffee you're drinking today? Yes. Today I am lazy. Yay. So, uh, but also, also supporting local and supporting yeah. women-owned businesses. Oh, ho. Uh, so I made myself a very lazy turmeric latte today with good old Folgers instant coffee. Yas. And the golden latte mix from Common Tea Company, which is based here in Louisville. Okay, that's awesome. And it's so good. Oh, I'm glad. That's awesome. Uh, So what are you drinking today? Um, just like last week, I am drinking my Ethiopian Yerga Chefe, uh, but I, I did fancy it up a little bit. Um, I forgot that I had received as a wedding gift a pour-over coffee maker, so I actually I have taught myself how to do pour-overs. I'm still not great at it. We're learning. We're learning. It's a science. And here's the thing. So first off, you have to actually remember to turn on your electric kettle for the water to get hot. Usually, yeah. And also, um, it appears that my kettle has sprung a leak. No. Leaking a little bit from the base when I pour the water. So upside of that means uh, I'm going to be buying a new kettle this weekend. Oof. Yeah. But maybe I'll get like one of the fancy ones with like the different temperature control so I can do like teas and coffee. And, you know, I am a tea snob. People don't know this about me, but I am a horrible, horrible tea snob. I just also really enjoy drinking PG tips that I've microwaved because it makes my friend's husband twitch. (laughs) Hi, Adrian. Hi, A. Love you. Uh, Brain thoughts. No, completely unrelated. Feel free to edit this out, but let me send you the link to the kettle that I have because it does have the nice temperature control and it's a gooseneck kettle. So it's really good for pour overs. Okay. Yeah, Um, please do. That would be great. And I've had it for seven or eight years now. Oh, and I see um, mine is Target brand. I'm giving Amanda a thumbs up. You can't actually see that. And I was just nodding as if you guys could see any of what was going on. We're great. Um, This is fine. This is normal. The sad thing is this is normal for us, even if we are physically in the same spot. We're both very professional women in day-to-day jobs. Yeah. Um, well, shockingly, I'm going to tell you about 
what I've become infamous for at my job. I can't tell you right now because it involves a tagline that we came up for for the company. Amazing. Um, Anywho, let's talk about our uh, tarot card of the day before we get off on too many tangents this episode. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So this week I am back to the wild unknown tarot. Because again, it's just, it's a really beautiful deck and I love it. And I love the fact that you don't read reversals in this deck. I mean, you can, but the guidebook doesn't give it to you. And I'm still very reliant on guidebooks. Oh, same. And um, today I drew for us Justice, which is two kitty cats. Oh, little fuzzy butts. Two kitty cats, which seems really appropriate because we are both two cat households. It's true. And uh, so Justice is... We've got to make choices. There's there's something we have got to con- uh, confront, and we need to seek that balance in whatever choice we make, which I think is very thematically interesting given what today's topic is. Interesting. I didn't even think about that. I kind of like as I was saying it, like that making choices don't deny that balance. There is a sense of balance to the universe. And your your decision should feed into that. I'm like, oh, that's thematically very interesting. There's an essay in here somewhere. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that is fun. And that deck is a little too on the nose. Um, um, yeah, this one likes to read me for filth constantly. It's bitchy. I love it. Oh, before we get into the episode, just because I did mention it on the most recent Tarot Tuesday post on our oh, Instagram. Yeah, we, we need to tell this story because it's important. So a few days ago, I'm sitting here in this exact chair that I'm sitting in right now, actually. Nice. You know, fun. Uh, decompressing after a video call. And my TV, which is just off to the side over here, turns on by itself. And I'm sitting right here. I can see the remote. I can see the sensors on the TV. There are no animals anywhere near them. And yeah, that was a little freaky. And so I text Corinne Mm -hmm. to let her know what happened. And I get the, hey, can I tell you something spooky? I believe my words were, can I tell you a kind of creepy thing? I think that's correct. Um, And what did you tell me, Corinne? So, okay, you have to understand, first off, Amanda lives in a very old, very beautiful house. House has some history. And I was going to pick her up one day, I think, honestly, for a recording session. And I thought I saw someone walk by the front door. And at first I thought it was Amanda, but I was like, that's not an Amanda-shaped person. And... I'm kind of looking around. I was like, it's summertime. Like, maybe I've just caught a reflection of someone walking by. And I didn't see anyone. Maybe I'm tired. I don't know. But I feel like I saw a shadow person in Yay. Amanda's room. So that's the thing. And I was like, I'm just not going to tell her that. And then she yeah. told me about the TV turning on by itself. And I was like, I should tell Amanda about the creepy shadow person I saw. Well, and I know at least one person has died in this house if the random creepy guy that was walking by when I was sitting on the front porch last spring is correct. Uh, Apparently in the mid-60s, the teenage son that lived here 
uh, was in a really bad car accident and ended up passing away at home mm. when they thought that he was out of the woods and Oof. recovering here at home. So, you know, teenage boy probably did just want to watch some TV. It could be. It was probably like, oh, my God, I just listened to this stupid video call. You guys waste technology. <laughs> oh, goodness. Show me some Star Trek. For sure. Okay. So on that wonderfully spooky note. Um, hey, Amanda, what's, what's our topic today? Okay. So our topic today is Selkies, which I was super excited to do because... When I was doing my research for last episode, uh, the I guess it was two episodes ago, Mermaids, but it yes, was when I was looking at Lone Bird, mm-hmm. um, I saw a reference to Selkies, it, and the site said the word Selkie in Selkies. Native American folklore, and I got really excited, and then while doing research for this episode, I found out that that was just a very problematic Eurocentric website. Mm. So we, in my segment, are going to be talking about some different seal myths. Okay, that uh, makes perfectly good sense. I, I mean, some of the stuff that I found is not entirely Selkie related. Okay. Because well, so, I feel like there's a lot of interplay. So go for it. I can't wait to hear these. Okay. So amongst the nations of the Northwestern coast of the Americas, uh, a lot of this is some Canadian first nations Mm -hmm. mythology. But since that goes up through what America has claimed as Alaska, we're going to count it. Uh, So amongst these nations, seals are incorporated in artwork, buildings, kayaks, um, for the Nootka and Macaw people specifically, seals are associated with skill and safety in rough waters. Oh, okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and because of this association, they've been incorporated into sailing superstitions, especially amongst people on whaling boats. Oh, you know, interesting. It's, it's good luck if you see seals, which makes sense if you're off whaling and you see a whale's source of food. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. In the Inuit culture, seals are seen as a symbol of absolute innocence. Okay. Aww. To the extent that in Inuit translation of the Bible, the, mm-hmm. the Christian Bible, the... Inukitut word for seal replaces the word lamb. Oh, I kind of love that. That's that's such a good way of localizing the translation. Right? Oh, I love that. And so I'm not sure if that hits as hard for our listeners who didn't spend years of their lives in religion classes in Catholic school. <laughs> but the, you know, you think about the lamb of God and... Yeah the shepherd guiding his flock and that sort of Christian imagery, that level of innocence being put on a seal. Oh, I love it. That just, Oh, my heart. And that really wonderful. Yeah. And that's why translation is such an impressive skill set to me because it's not just 
literally translating words, figuring out how to bring the meaning across in local idioms, you know, making sure that you're avoiding certain words that Mm -hmm. aren't going to come across right culturally, making sure that you're incorporating words like this. I just, it's fascinating to me. And I am so impressed with the first person who put those two together. No, that's, that's, I mean, I have mixed feelings about the use of Christianity and how we use that as a cudgel for colonization. But at the same time, I can still be impressed with that particular translation of the Bible as a piece of literature. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Very specifically as, as a literary piece, that's freaking amazing. And I, I love that they took that connotation and said, here is the appropriate cultural connotation for this group and went with that. Right. I, I thought that was so cool. Um, and so those are just a couple of tidbits, but the main focus of my segment today is the goddess Sedna, Lady of the Underworld. Ooh. So Sedna has a few different origin stories based on okay. where we're focusing, because she is found in myths in Greenland, okay, in northwestern Canada, and okay. Alaska. Okay. And there is a common thread in all of these stories. Uh, we're going to see if you can find it. And <laughs> apologies in advance to you specifically, Corinne. Oh, no. In one story, she is the daughter of the creator god, Anguta. Sedna okay. has a mighty hunger that causes her to attack both of her parents. Good for her. And- no, not good for her, it turns out. Oh. Anguta is filled with is filled with such rage, he immediately takes her out to sea and throws her over the side of the kayak. She claims right? A plus parenting. Right there. She clings to the kayak, causing him to cut off her fingers. Oh no. She falls to the underworld and becomes the goddess of the monsters of the deep sea. Her Mm -hmm. fingers become seals, the people hunt, thus bringing the hunger thing full circle. Okay, cool, but also, oh god, dismemberment. Again, apologies to you, specifically. (laughs) In another story, she channels her inner lone bird, if lone bird was a snarky bitch. Okay. She is so dissatisfied with the men that her father, and in this version, the father is not Anguta. She rarely has a mother, because she is, in fact, a Disney princess. Great. And her father rarely has a name in her myths. But she is so dissatisfied with the men that her father has chosen for her that uh, any guesses what our girl boss does? Does she she cut off their fingers? She marries a dog. (laughs) Not not because she loves the dog, but to show her dad... I can do better with this dog. So it's kind of like a general fuck you. Yep. Okay. And okay. like, I I love a grump sunshine romance, mm-hmm. especially where the hero is the sunshine and our heroine is the grump. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can acknowledge that a literal golden retriever is taking it a step too far. Yeah. Hot take of the day. Yeah. 
So yet again, her father gets so angry that he throws her into the sea. Okay. When she, when she tries to climb back into the boat, he cuts her fingers off. Right. She falls, right? She falls to the underworld. Her fingers become seals and walruses. When she is displeased, hunting drops off. So the shaman must go out into the ocean and comb her hair. Because remember, no fingers. Yeah. She can't do it herself. Yeah. So once she's content, as we all are after a good spa day, yeah, the seals and the fish come back. Okay. And this last one is the most detailed version I was able to find of Sedna's origin myth. Okay. Sedna and her widower father lived a quiet life. Mm-hmm. She, much like Lone Bird again from last episode, was an absolute stunner. Yep. So... Everyone wanted to marry her. Mm -hmm. And she was all like, "Hmm, no, I'm a 10. You're an Ohio (laughs) five. Not happening. It was brutal, Amanda. (laughs) I did warn you that I got a little ridiculous with my notes. No, I'm here for it. Love this. So at the breaking of the ice in spring, a fulmar, which is a type of Arctic seabird, you're welcome okay. for that bit of Googling, because it was never made clear Ooh, no in any of the other research, um, Woof. came to her and started singing to woo her. Come okay. to the land of birds where there is never hunger, and my tent is made of the most beautiful skins. You shall rest on soft bear skins. My fellow fulmar's feathers shall clothe you. Your lamp will always have oil and your pot will always be full of meat. You know, that's, that's really all you got to promise a girl. Cute outfits, a nice right? place to live, unlimited food. I'd leave my husband for that. I'd leave my father who's trying to marry me off to people that I couldn't care less about for that. <laughs> um, so she's convinced and yeah. follows the Fulmar across the sea. Sounds like a sweet deal, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I've bought into it, knowing that this is probably going to end badly. <laughs> so, as I have never said in my life before, but will say from now on, never trust a bird. Don't trust those. They're shifty little fuckers. Alfred Hitchcock was right. Is another sentence I will never say again. Um, <laughs> so, after a long journey exhausted and ready to relax on her new bearskin rug our heroine is sorely disappointed mm-hmm. the promised bearskin rugs are actually fish skins full of holes that let in the ice and the water and mm. the cold mm-hmm. her bed was made of walrus hides and mm-hmm. instead of tasty tasty caribou meat she's fed small fish that the fulmar chew first like a little baby bird. Oh. Oh no. Yeah. Yuck. So pretty soon afterwards, she regrets what happened and sings out to her father to come rescue her. But okay. this is the point in the story where it decides to be realistic. So he does not hear her sing because he is literal hundreds of miles away. Oh no. He does, however, set sail to visit her a year later in the summer. Like, oh, I'm going to go see what my daughter's doing in her new, like, her her swank new pad. Yeah, it makes sense. He's furious with what he sees. 
So he kills the Fulmar that whisked her away and takes her away in his kayak. Cool. The other Fulmars come back, see their dead cousin, and let out a terrible wail, which is why Fulmar cries sound so mournful to this day. Okay. Those Fulmars immediately start hunting Sedna and her father, and the flapping of so many Fulmar wings in such fury causes the... uh, But all of those wings flapping cause the seas to start churning up. And it is not safe to be in a kayak anymore. No. Mm -mm. Mm. The seas got so bad that Sedna's father feared the boat would overturn. Hoping to save his own skin, he throws Sedna over the side of the boat. Jesus. (laughs) Right? I told you there was a common thread in literally all of these. Lord! Okay. Yeah. She clings to the side because, duh. Yeah. So he, I am so sorry, Corinne, cuts off the first joints of her fingers. Oh! Which fall into the seas and become whales, with the nails turning into whalebone. Okay. Oh, I hate it. Thanks. She grips tighter. He cuts off the next joint. Which fell into the sea and became seals. Mm-hmm. She grips even tighter. Mm-hmm. Her cruel father then cut off the rest of her fingers, which every reference say turn into ground seals. And I have no idea how those differ from regular seals. And I could not for the life of me come up with what the difference was. I'm assuming it's just two different species of seals. Yeah. But no idea. Oh, okay. So I, for listeners who don't know why Amanda keeps apologizing to me, I am desperately afraid of hand injuries and finger injuries in specific because there's so many little joints and joint injuries freak me the fuck out. So this is nightmare fuel. Like this might not be nightmare fuel for normal people, but this is nightmare fuel. Again, so sorry. Uh, I signed up for this. So at this point, the Fulmars believe that Sedna has drowned, so they fly off and the seas calm down. And uh, Sedna's father, you know, father of the year, Mm -hmm. lets her back into the kayak, acting like there's there's no hard feelings. What? We're okay. What? She naturally is less than pleased. But uh, our girl boss can play the long game. Okay. They eventually get back to their village, and her father falls asleep that night. Mm-hmm. Sedna calls her dogs and has them gnaw off her father's hands and feet. Poetic justice, but I hate it. Her father woke up because, duh. Yeah. And cursed her, the dogs, the hut, anything around him. Valid. For this. The ground then opened up below them, and Sedna, her father, the dogs, and their home were pulled down into the underworld where Sedna is now mistress. Oh, I hate it. And that cheery note is the end of my segment. Thanks. Thanks, Amanda. (laughs) You're welcome. Jesus Christ. Oh, my hands hurt in sympathy from that story. Oh. Yeah. 
I don't have any dismemberment. I don't think I have any dismemberment in my notes. I'll find out as we go through this. (laughs) You'd think that I would remember the things that I write down, but you would be wrong. Yeah, I just, I've been too wholesome the past couple of episodes. I really, I had to get back to my roots. Mm Mm-hmm. No, it's fair. It's fair. All right, listeners. So first and foremost, uh, you need to understand Selkies are some of my favorite mythological creatures. They are right up there with Kitsune. And I was almost going to touch on these when we did our mermaid episode. And I was like, hey, Amanda, what if instead, what if we did an entire episode <laughs> just on Selkies? So this is this is her gift to me. But yes, I love Selkies because they are so wildly tragic in most media. Uh, I am very much a sucker for a good tragedy. And I blame early exposure to Shakespeare. My parents probably should have been paying more attention to what I was reading in the fifth grade. Nah, what's a little childhood trauma? It's fine. It's fine. I'm, yeah. Um, but anyway, selkies in European mythology typically refer to a shape-shifting creature that transforms between a humanoid form and a seal form. Most European selkie mythology spans between Scotland and Ireland on up into uh, Iceland and Norway, where there are actually Nordic variants of the myth. Interesting. Um, strictly speaking, though, selkie just means seal. Uh, it's actually a diminutive word, uh, d- sorry, a diminutive variant of the Scots word for seal. Uh, another common variant that you will hear is silky. Uh, there is actually some discussion about whether or not calling them silkies has to do with how soft seal fur appears to be. Ooh. As a side note, I desperately want to pet a seal. I know it's a bad idea. I know I should not. I will probably die trying to pet something that I should not. That is a thousand percent how you're going to die, Corinne. Yes. Um, Another important thing to note about selkies is that not all of the folklore around them involves therianthropes. So, um, for example, in Scotland, eating seals is considered a taboo. You should not eat a seal. Interesting. It was something that you would only do in times of great need. Like, if, if your family is starving, okay. But otherwise, don't do it. Um, there's a story about a man who lost all of his sheep after he ate a seal. Um, he'd penned his sheep on a hill with other families' sheep. And in the night, a great wave rose up, only washed away his sheep. Everybody else's sheep were fine, got left alone by the tides. Nah, it's a coincidence. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Nothing to do with the fact that he was eating sheep, uh, not sheepies, seals. I know words. I'm pretty sure the Scots are okay with you eating some sheep. Yeah. (laughs) Haggis. Yup. However, the more common variant that you're going to hear in most Western mythology about selkies, the general shape of it is some dude finds a seal skin on the beach and takes it home with him. The next day, he finds a beautiful naked woman on the beach and takes her home with him. Marries her, starts a family. Um, Pre-internet while, tender. It's fine. Yep, all the while keeping that seal skin hidden from his wife. Eventually she finds it and returns to the sea. Um, variants of the story crop up in Ireland, Scotland, and Iceland. Um, actually, in my show notes, I do link to a variant that I had never read before from Iceland specifically. It is a Viking tale. Um, it's really cool. Um, there are actually stories about male selkies taking human lovers as well. Those tend to be slightly less tragic. 
I have actually heard some ballads that involve human women wanting to marry their selkie lovers. Um, and like I said, typically happier endings involved, uh, lot fewer feelings of betrayal, and there's less complicated issues of consent. Um, so anyway, there are a few different takes on where selkies come from, and I'm going to share some of my favorites. Some are based okay. in mythology. Some are based on people trying to explain things they didn't have the technology or medical knowledge to explain. So my absolute favorite explanation, and I didn't know this one until I started doing this research, was that Selkies are actually fallen angels. Huh. So according to some traditions, when God cast out the rebellious angels who sided with our good, good girl boss, Satan, the ones who landed on Earth became what we know as fairies, and the ones who landed in the sea became Selkies. Interesting. I've mm-hmm. never heard that version of the Fae in general. No, this was a new one. On, oh, I kind of had heard like the Fae were fallen angels. Um, but I also read metric butt tons of literature based on Celtic folklore as a child. Fair. Kind of insatiable. God bless my mother again for taking me to the library constantly because <laughs> that's the only way I could read as many books as I managed to as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so in Norway, there was a common belief that the Finns, uh, by which they meant the indigenous Sami people, especially their shamans, could turn into seals. Why not? Because reasons and magic. I actually saw a reference in a book called The Good People. Again, I do have this linked in my notes. Where a Norseman stabbed a seal and then later had his knife returned to him by a Finn who actually had a scar from the knife wound, like in the appropriate place. <laughs> and again, this was a variant that I had never heard before. I was really only familiar with like Irish and Scottish folklore when it comes to Selkies. Right. Um, another explanation that I saw, and here we're getting less away from the, myth- more away from the mythology, more into trying to explain life in a world that didn't have things like Wikipedia. So one of the beliefs is that when the Vikings were invading Orkney, which is, you know, the farthest northern part of Scotland, Mm -hmm. uh, the fur-wearing invaders were somehow mistaken for seals transforming into people. Um, Another possible explanation is that when there was intermarriage between uh, residents of the Orkney Islands and Sami and Finn women who used sealskin kayaks and wore furs, that this is where you get the Selkie women story. Um, another one, this, I love this variant is that they were dark haired shipwrecked Spaniards being washed up on the shore. I did not make this up. <laughs> oh, that sounds like some English propaganda, right? I did not make this variant up. I found this. It exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and also one of the more like actual science leaning explanations that I've seen is people were trying to explain what's called, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this so badly, syndactility, syndactyly, which is a condition where there is the webbing the between webs. The yes. Um, before our understanding of science and genetics medicine got to where we are today, uh, a very common explanation for any sort of abnormality or deformity in a child was to blame the fear folk. So if you had wet fingers, clearly your mom was banging the fae. And you know what? There is a lot of money to be made in writing those stories right now. 
Oh, so much. Um, but yeah, so Selkie are also just huge fodder for ballads and stories. Uh, if you were looking for some suggestions for more contemporary takes, I highly recommend a song by Heather Dale called The Maiden, The Selkie. Or Talis Kimberly has a song called Still Catch the Tide. Um, Shauna McGuire has a stunning cover on her Falls Ho- Stars Fall Home album. I love that song. And I definitely have 100% linked both of their songs into my show notes because I have problems. Uh, Not a problem. You are providing a valuable service to our listeners. Um, But yes, dear listeners, please, please feel free to talk to me about Selkies ad nauseum. I will not get bored. I fucking love Selkies. I love them. I love them. I love them. (laughs) And uh, that is my section. My goodness. So I knew you liked Selkies. Have a problem. (laughs) Did not realize how much you loved them. And uh, not to say any spoilers on this episode, but I am wondering how you're coping reading the Toby Day series. I'm not. The answer (laughs) is I'm not. There's a lot of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) So yeah, that's a cheers, mate. Yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. And again, thank you guys so much for putting up with the audio difference or the audio quality difference um, for these few episodes. Hopefully the next time we sit down to record a few episodes, we'll be able to record in person. Yeah. This, um, there should be a series of, Three episodes for sure where we will be apart. Right. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed we'll be in person. I need my Amanda time. I need my Corinne time. And no offense, more importantly, I need my Patrick time. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not down here shouting at us. Maybe later. He's he's my buddy. George is a good boy, but Patrick's my buddy when I come over. Because Patrick only has one brain cell. You know, at least he has it constantly. <laughs> my cats, my cats share one. Oh no! Um, but anywho, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you know, don't get into a kayak with your father. That's that's don't what I've learned. Really solid advice, just <laughs> in general. There, if you're gonna bang the bay. Make sure that birth control works real good. <laughs> Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. So sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares, everybody. (laughs) Good night, guys. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Seanan McGuire, copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at Graveyard Coffee Talk Pod or on Twitter at Talk Graveyard.